went with Adrian Plass. We were touring together. You all know Adrian? And uh, a lady came up to us at the end. She said, I really enjoyed tonight. She said, I, she said, I haven't laughed so much since my husband died. <laughs> and uh, we, we said, we think you probably mean something slightly different to that. Uh, but anyway, just enjoyed uh, being with you. Been mentioning the various books, and I need to mention this one, uh, which comes with a health warning. Um, uh, this is called There Are No Strong People. It's based on the story of Samson. And Samson was a bit of a naughty boy with the ladies, remember that. And so there's some, there's some fairly blunt stuff in here about... Okay. No, not snacks. <laughs> snacks, wow. Um... And this has got me in a bit, bit of trouble. If, you, if, you, if you're interested, go on Amazon. And uh, I've, I've, I had one particular uh, guy take me apart for this because the story of Samson is, frankly, loaded with more eroticism than we discover when we read it in the, in the English. And so I've tried to capture some of the story behind the story, but it's pretty blunt. So if you're easily offended, please don't buy the book. <laughs> Although I just sense many of you lining up to buy the book. <laughs> So uh, that's, uh, that's available. So where do you live? Where do you live? And uh, we've been talking about Elijah and depression, being honest about our struggles. And then we talked about Jonah and anger and trusting God in the midst of that. And uh, when I was uh, reflecting at lunchtime, something was unsettled in me. And I'm, I'm, I'm grateful talking to Philip on arrival last night. Great. Philip, thank you for trusting me with saying, look, whatever you feel, whatever you feel. And I was feeling a little unsettled about this afternoon. I love the way the Holy Spirit stitches these things together. Uh, and you know that feeling when you think, is this God or is this, is this the drugs, you know, <laughs> legal? Um, and uh, I was feeling drawn to this Bible story, which I hadn't planned on preaching. And we may well get to Martha, and if we don't, um, Philip, I'll send you the notes and you, oh, you can share them those who might want them. I was feeling drawn to this Bible story. I hadn't planned on preaching on it. And then in comes Joe. You see, the Bible story I was drawn to was the story of Elijah with the widow. And and Joe comes in and says, we've spent the morning with the children uh, talking about Elijah with the widow. So I thought, well, there we go. That's really interesting. The way the Lord just does, without being silly about it or reading more into it than it should, but the kindness of God just stitches things together. So I'm going a little bit uh, walking on some water here, but I'm just feeling that that's the direction we should go in. And I'm going to ask the question this afternoon, where do you live? Are, you, are we, am I, are you, are we living in the place of kindness? In the place of kindness. So I want to read from First Kings uh, chapter 17. And this, um, this happened... Uh, uh, obviously previous to the cave incident that we looked at this morning, First Kings 17 and verse 7, it says this, Sometime later the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Go at once to Zarephath and Sidon and stay there. I've commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath and when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I may have a drink? And as she was going to get it, he called, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. 
As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid, go home and do as you've said, but first make a small cake of bread for me for what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her, so there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. But the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry, keeping with the word of the Lord spoken to Elijah. Sometime later, the woman, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, what did you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Give me your son, Elijah replied. He took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying, and laid him on his bed. Then he cried out to the Lord, O Lord my God, if you brought tragedy also upon this widow I'm staying with by causing her to die. Then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, let this boy's life return to him. And the Lord heard Elijah's cry, the boy's life returned to him, and he lived. Elijah picked up the child, carried him down from the room into the house, He gave him to his mother and said, look, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. Uh, For about um, 28, maybe 30 years, um, I was privileged to serve as part of the speaking and leadership team at Spring Harvest. Uh, How many Spring Harvesters have we got uh, here? You've been there at some time. I think with one year exception, I went, uh, Kay and I went sort of every year for 30 years. Uh, And so I spent a lot of time there. And uh, for the last 10 of that, I was on the leadership team, but also living in America. So our home is in America, but we have a little flat in the south of England because of ministry here in the UK. So I was was on the the London train going into... um, London, and uh, bearing in mind this spring harvest background, and um, near our little flat, there's a there's a, a, a country station that's unmanned with a ticket machine, and the ticket machine was broken, so I didn't have a ticket to travel, and nothing I could do about it. So I'm feeling a little agitated and nervous. You know, uh, could I be thrown into prison as a result of travelling without a ticket? And I'm sitting there, minding my own business, when I could hear the uh, ticket guy. Uh, the, the guard, I think, um, coming down the train, uh, looking at people's tickets. And I'm now moving into anxiety. And uh, my anxiety was increased because he was barking at people. Tickets! Tickets! No good morning, no have a nice day, no smile. Tickets! And I'm now, I don't have a ticket. And uh, as he came up to me, I, I noticed that he had a couple of badges in his lapel. One was a fish and the other one was a dove. And I thought, this is interesting, this guy is either a a member of the International Society for the the Appreciation of Pigeons, (laughs) or he perhaps is a Christian. These are Christian symbols. So he came up to me and he he barked at me and he said, ticket. And I I said, sir, I don't have a ticket, I need to buy one, the machine is broken, please don't execute me. And um, while he's printing my ticket, more out of conversation than anything, I said, uh, I "I noticed your badges. He said, yes. I said, uh, I said, are you, um, are you uh, 
Uh, are you uh, 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 um, a, a Christian? A Christian? Is that quick? It doesn't sound so weird. Christian. And he said, yes. Uh, oh, this is not right. I mean, I, I didn't expect Kumbaya and a group hug, but, you know, this, this was a bit blunt, you know. So uh, I said, I said you're a Christian? He said, yes. I said, do you go to a church around here? I'm just making conversation, you know. And bear in mind, he does not know that I am a Christian. I've got no badges, and I'm not even wearing my sandals. So there was <laughs> nothing to indicate that I am a Christian. So um, I said, do you go to a church around here? He said, yes. I said, how's it going? How's it going? He said, not good. Not good. I said, oh, I'm sorry. Why isn't it going well? He said, well, he said, it's like this. He said, I am more advanced in my faith than everybody else in my church. They just can't keep up with me. So I thought, it's a bit weird. So I thought, I'll act a bit stupid, which is a gift that comes naturally. And I, I, said, to, I said, how do you get more advanced in it then? How do you get more advanced? He said, well, every year, he said, I attend a conference, which has helped me to become more advanced. It is called Spring harvest. <laughs> I said, really? I said, I do a bit of stuff with spring harvest. He said, do you? I said, yes! <laughs> so he said, well, let me tell you something. He said, if you work with spring harvest, let me tell you that the station that you just got on at the, the train from, he said, he said you, you probably don't know this. He said, but... Jeff Lucas lives near that station. I said, does he? And I was so tempted, ladies and gentlemen, I wanted to say, don't you love that bloke? Isn't he lovely? You know, I, said, uh, I said, well, that's me, mate. That's me. That's me, Jeff Lucas. It's on the credit card. There's a hint. And uh, he said, no, you're not. No, you're not. And at first I thought, he may be right, because he's advanced, isn't he? <laughs> Finally, after a few more words, I think I convinced him, and he went on down the train. Tickets! 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 You see, he considered himself advanced. There was one problem. He just wasn't kind. And I've told this story a lot. And I'm always a bit scared that one of these days he's going to be in the audience. <laughs> and if you're here, sir, happy to meet you. Bless you. <laughs> you see, he wasn't kind. The Bible emphasized kindness. I want to show you in a few moments the kindness that is often overlooked in this Elijah story. The Bible says a lot about kindness. Love is kind, 1 Corinthians 13. Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another. Colossians 3, therefore as God's chosen people are holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion and kindness. One of the beautiful things about God's nature in the Old Testament is what is described as his hased, his loving kindness. And God is kind. And Elijah, I, I want us to see that Elijah was kind here. And the way that he treated this woman... In, in the face of some difficult, a difficult context, was a real turning point in her life. 
Now, I want you to see something here. Because she had experienced a multiplication miracle of the oil daily for a couple of years. So she knew about miracles. But it was the raising of her son, I want to suggest, I'm speculating a little, uh, coupled with the character of Elijah as well as the anointing of Elijah. And then she says in verse 24, Now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. You see, there is a, a coalition here of supernatural power and anointing and kindness and Character. You see, ladies and gentlemen, here's the deal. Kindness turns heads. It makes a difference. Some years ago, I was traveling on a book tour with a guy called Graham Seed. Graham Seed, has he been here? What a, what a wonderful man. He's about six foot six. He's got muscles in places where I haven't got places. And those of you that have heard him will know, and some of you have not heard him, so let me just say, you know, here is this man who was uh, an ex-football thug, organizing fights, um, slept on a park bench, uh, was in a terrible state, Uh, they they thought they'd lost him, they were going to turn the machine off, they got permission from his mother, he would have told you his story. And some YWAM guys had come by and told him about Jesus. And he had previously told them to go away. Not even exactly those words. And they came into the hospital. They prayed for him and he woke up. God raised him up. And a few weeks later he became a Christian. Bit weird he waited a few weeks really, wasn't it? But uh, he became a Christian. And he is now one of the most beautiful people you could ever be around. He is a giant of a man. But there is a kindness about him. And we were traveling together and uh, we were in a city and it was a bit of a miserable time. And I won't say, I won't say which city it was in in case you come from Manchester, but we were in, um, we were in this city and it was pouring with rain and uh, we checked in at this hotel and the hotel was horrible, not being a diva, but it was horrible. It was, when we checked in, the, the guy behind the counter He said, do you want an upgrade for 10 quid? I said, what do we get for an upgrade for 10 quid? He said, a window. (laughs) And you know, the carpet was crunchy when you walked in. It was was horrible. It was like the Hotel California. You can check in any time you want, but you can never leave. Some of you are going, is that in Proverbs? (laughs) No, it's the Eagles. And um, so... And we come out of the hotel to get something to eat, and we got a parking ticket on the car. And we were like, oh, this is boring. And we went into this restaurant, pizza place, and we just sat down, and we were a bit fed up, and we ordered some pizza. And um, when the pizza arrived, we, to be honest, I just want to be honest with you, we didn't, we didn't say grace, we didn't sing a hymn or anything. We just dived, just dived into the pizza. And then the lovely lady who was serving us came up to us with the bill and she said, uh, she said what are you guys doing today? And I, she said, you're going to go shopping? And I said, no, we've got, a, we've got an event tonight in, in, here in Manchester. And here's what she said. She said, is it about God? Is it about God? And I, I checked my lapel <laughs> and my sandals. And there was no... I said... Yeah, it is. How do you know? 
And she said, oh, she said, we get some horrible people in here. She said, she said, you were both kind to me. So I thought, probably got something to do with God. I take no credit for that. I'm sure it was Graham's beautiful spirit that shone through. You see, ladies and gentlemen, kindness turns heads. And in all that we've been talking about this morning in terms of our own responses to God and our struggles with our emotions at times and maybe a sense of anger towards God, this afternoon I felt like I wanted to really flatten that out into our relationships together because however much we know of God, so what if it doesn't locate itself in the way that we treat each other? Kindness. So what is, what is kindness? Well, first of all, authentic kindness is what we express under pressure. Authentic kindness is what we express under pressure. You see, we can all fake it on Sunday mornings when we have a close encounter of an evangelical kind. <laughs> Hi, good morning, brother. How you doing? Fine, thank you, sister. The brother-sister thing is really helpful because you can use that if you forget each other's names. It's really, <laughs> really quite helpful. And, and um, we, can, we can all fake it. But you see, real kindness is, is not the Sunday face. Real kindness is what happens when you're under pressure. Elijah is under pressure here. Um, he's spent a couple of years by the brook Cherith with a bunch of high-flying spitting ravens puking up his lunch. Yum, yum. And then God speaks to him and says, go at once. The Hebrew, get up and walk. He's commanded to go. And he, God says to him, I've appointed a widow to give you food. But he meets the widow. She says, I haven't got any food. And that's confusing. Didn't, didn't I hear God say this? But now what's happening? And then there's this mill that doesn't run out for a couple of years. Then her son either dies or go in, goes into a coma. We're not sure. But she blames Elijah. What have you got against me? Uh, and the boy was raised from the dead. And in all of that, how do you raise the dead? Question, answer. You're kind while you're doing it. Because he was kind in this furnace of pressure. Years ago, uh, when our kids were living at home, um, I taught my daughter how to drive. Can I just say that is a bad idea? There should be something in Proverbs, you know, ridest not in thine daughter's chariot, something like that. And, um, and sons for that matter. And uh, Kelly and Richard were driving around town. Kelly's just passed her driving test. And uh, we, Ken and I were at home and the phone rang. And it's Richard, our son. He said, Dad, can you come and help us? He said, we've nudged another car. <laughs> Isn't that a great way of putting it? Nudged another car. He said, this fella pulled out in front of us. It wasn't our fault. No one's hurt. His car's barely scratched. Ours is not barely scratched. It's a pretty bad way. And he said, could you come over and help? It's a bit tense here. Could you come and help? And I said, son, I would be thrilled and delighted to (laughs) fulfill this parental responsibility. Oh, what bliss. I'll bring the tambourine. So... So I drove over to where the accident had taken place. And there's our car... uh, there's our car and his car. You can see how he pulled out. And my daughter's crying. She's in shock. And Richard's there. And, and here is this man who's caused this accident. And I, I looked at this man. And I, I can't really express the deep sense of the love of Jesus that I felt. <laughs> Not. <laughs> I was really upset. 
because, you know, the kids were shaken up. And so I calmed myself, and uh, so I thought. And I walked over to him, and I said, hello, I'm their dad. What happened? And he, he got really aggressive. He said, your daughter drove into me. Well, I, I came, I'm not, in, I'm not proud of this, but I came right back. I mean, I'd like you to think that I'm better than I am, but we, we said we're going to be honest today, so I'll just tell you. I said, what do you mean? I said, look at, look at your car, look at her car. It's really obvious. What's, I said, what are you talking about? And I raised my voice a little louder than that. Quite a lot louder than that. And he, uh, he looked at me and he, 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 said, he said, I don't like you. He said, I don't like you. He said, I'm going to get in my car and wait for the police. And he got in his car, slammed the door. And I'm standing there thinking, oh, Lord, this is not good. Not really a good testimony. Then I'm thinking, I really hope I haven't still got that fish on the back of my car. <laughs> so I thought, I better go and apologize. If you mess it up, apologize. So I went up and I knocked on his window and he wound the window down. Again, shows you how long ago this was. And I said, can we have a little chat? And he got out of the car and I said, look, I said, I'm sorry. I said, I, I was a bit too loud and a bit shaken up. And I just come to apologize. And I wondered if we could start all over again. And he looked at me and his face broke into a big smile. And he said, actually, mate, he said, I'm really sorry too. He said, he said I'm not normally like this. He said, actually, he said, would you believe it? He said, I'm a minister. <laughs> I said, oh, that's very nice. <laughs> he said, uh, what do you do then? <laughs> I said, I'm an electrician. <laughs> I said, actually, I said, you won't believe this, but I'm a minister as well. He said, really? I said, yeah. He said, he said what's your name? I said, Philip. <laughs> From the Cotswolds, no. <laughs> I, I, said, I said, my name's Jeff. He said, Jeff what? I said, Lucas. <laughs> I said, Jeff Lucas? I said, yeah. He said, I heard you at Spring Harvest last year. I was watching you on the God Channel this week. Happy to meet you, Jeff. <laughs> Take a snapshot of the scene. And you've got him, man of God. You've got me, man of God, allegedly. And you've got two men of God behaving badly under pressure. Kindness, ladies and gentlemen, is not the Sunday face. It's what happens, it's what happens at home. Because sometimes we can act at home presuming on the love and grace of those closest to us. We can act in a way that is quite unseemly to the gospel. It's not about a performance. It's what happens when we're under pressure. Secondly, I want to suggest that kindness is blessing those who have little or nothing to give to us. You see, this was a widow ready to die. And in the, in the biblical narrative, a widow in biblical times was really at the foot of the social ladder and very vulnerable, which is why the New Testament church had to make special provision for, for widows. 
Um, it's kindness is blessing people who've got nothing to pay us back with. Um, my mum uh, passed away a couple of years ago. Now she she uh, she battled dementia for uh, a lot of years, for about ten or eleven years, and um, uh, sometimes she knew who I was, sometimes she didn't, and sometimes she told me what she thought of that Jeff <laughs> to me, and it was a really interesting time, and I. I, I came to realize that the test of my kindness was when she asked me that same question over and over and over again. And she had nothing to give me. It's not about being kind to that person in that position because it can work out well for you. I went into a Christian bookshop a couple of years ago and I wanted to say hello to the manager and see how they were doing with my book. So I went and knocked at the office door and this attack lady behind the till, she said, get away from that door. (laughs) So I said, I'm sorry, I just wanted to say hello to the manager and introduce myself and see how the distribution of the books was going. And she said, get away from the door. So I said, okay, I'll step away from the door. She said, who are you? And here's what she did. And this sounds really pompous and pretentious. Forgive me, I'm just telling you the story. She said, I'm sorry. I didn't know it was you. So I said, apology accepted, but I'm the same person that I was 30 seconds ago. Kindness is not laser beam tactical. I'll be nice for the sake of reciprocation. It's blessing those who have nothing to give us. Thirdly, and I want to say this to you lovely people, and I'm looking at you, and you all seem to like each other, which is nice. And I'm looking around. I mean, I I know you don't gossip here. (laughs) You share. I know that. (laughs) I want to make a point that I think is kind of important here, and that is that kindness will still be needed with those that God calls us into fellowship with. You see, this was an an appointment. There's a widow, she's going to feed you. This was a setup from God. This was not some random meeting. This was in the choreography of God. But there was still tension. Now please see this, because I think sometimes we Christians, we get a bit simplistic. Well, if I was in the right fellowship... If I was in the right church, then we wouldn't ever fall out and it would all be according to my preferences and there would never be any tension. And I want you to hear this outsider coming into your family just for 24 hours say to you, your unity is lovely and precious, guarded, because even though God has called you together, that does not exempt you from the possibility of conflict as this story illustrates. And you've got this widow with a death wish. It basically says, I've got nothing, I've got nothing in and we're going to go home and, and die. The church is a community that is called together, not because we naturally get on, but because we live beneath the glorious shadow of the cross. Some of us, naturally speaking, socially speaking, might never find ourselves in the same room together. We might be entirely different politically. I think that's the beauty of the church. It's a multicolored tapestry 
are people from all different backgrounds and stories. And I touched on it this morning. We're all broken. I mean, let's face it. We human beings can be pretty idiotic, can't we? The Bible describes us as being like sheep. And sheep are not the brightest. They haven't got their A-levels. You might go to SeaWorld. You probably won't these days. It's politically incorrect. But you, you might go to SeaWorld and see a bunch of whales jumping through things. But apparently, although they do exist, Sheep World is a bit boring. I shared on this in Australia, and I said, you won't find Sheep World anyway, anywhere, will you? Someone stood up the back and said, we've got that in this city, Sheep World. I'm like, really? And I said, what do they do? He said, they run around in circles. <laughs> or we like sheep. And I just want to say this, I hope, without being offensive, because I count myself right in. My whole ministry is built on episodes of ineptitude. It's been my whole life in embarrassing situations. But I just want to say this, we human beings get it wrong. And we mess it up. These are real conversations, recorded conversations from courtrooms that show us that intelligent people can be really stupid. These are... These are cross-examination questions and answers. All right, The prosecuting attorney was questioning the witness. Question, she has three children, right? Answer, yes. Question, how many of them were boys? Answer, none. Question, were there any girls? Here's another one. Question, what happened then? Answer, he said I have to kill you because you can identify me. Question, did he kill you? <laughs> Answer, no. Here's my favorite. Question, doctor, before you performed the autopsy, did you check for a pulse? Answer, no. Question, did you check for blood pressure? Answer, no. Question, did you check for breathing? Answer, no. Question, so is it possible the patient was alive when you began the autopsy? Answer, no. Question, how can you be so sure, doctor? Answer, because his brain was sitting on my desk in a jar. Question, but could the patient have still been alive nevertheless? Answer, it is possible he could be alive and practicing law somewhere. (laughs) That's a specific comment and not a general comment about the legal profession. We mess it up. We mess it up. At Timberline, we had an Easter presentation And it's a large church. We didn't realize that the chap we asked to play Jesus had only been in the church for a few weeks. And the next thing we know, we're crucifying him. And at the crucial moment in the Easter story, he fell off the cross. They're all saying, if you are the son of God, come down and save yourself. And he did. We had another chap who was new and he did the Easter reading and he got to the bit where Jesus says, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. And he didn't know how to pronounce it. And he said, and Jesus said, hello, hello. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm sorry, I need to recover a bit. Now, I'm not being irreverent. I'm just trying to tell us the truth about us. So listen up. Kindness will always be called for, yes, with those that we've been called together in fellowship with. And I am amazed sometimes how we as followers of Christ have been recipients of such grace and sometimes a hesitation to pass it around. Kindness. Number four, kindness means that we refuse to be easily offended. It means we refuse to be easily offended. This woman says, verse 18, she says, What do you have against me, man of God? Now, do you remember in Matthew 8, the demons cry out, and they, they said to Jesus, what do you want with us, son of God? <clears throat> it's a Hebrew version of that, of that Aramaic Greek insult. What is there between us? We have nothing in common. Um, I, I, I still meet Christians who like their hobbies being offended. You ever met people like that? I mean, they should take up stamp collecting. But they, they're not only easily offended, they look to be offended. They're in search of offense. They go to church to get offended. They're offended if they're not offended. They got, they've been offended all their lives. They got upset with the midwife at birth. Don't you slap me. Can I just pause for a moment in the midst of the laughter which is relaxing and also opens us up? Are, are, are you like that? Are you one of those? And one way of telling if you're a bit like this is if you're feeling a bit offended right now with a question. When people get around you, and I can say this because I don't, I don't know anybody apart from a few friends here. When people get around you, is there the crunching of eggshells? Oh, watch him. He's a bit awkward. She's a bit prickly. And here's what we Christians do. We sanctify our offense by insisting that our preference is indeed the Lord of the universe's preference. I don't like that song, so I'm pretty sure God doesn't either. <laughs> Are you easily offended or warm and gracious? One time, I really put my foot in it. We had this lady in our church... She wasn't just pregnant, she was gigantically pregnant. I mean, hugely pregnant. I, I thought there was a house group in there, you know. <laughs> it was incredible. And uh, at last, thanks be to God, uh, she gave birth, but I wasn't aware that she had. So I saw her coming into church. <coughs> you can hear it coming, can't you? <laughs> I saw her come in at the church and she was pushing a pram. So that should have been, you know, a stroller. That should have been a, a hint, Hercule Perot. But I said, uh, I said, morning, Sue. I said, uh, no baby yet then. <laughs> and uh, she turned around and she slapped my face. And she said, how dare you? How dare you? No, she didn't. I made that up. <laughs> she said, yeah, the baby's right here, Jeff. 
And do you know what she did? She phoned my home later that afternoon and she said, Jeff, are you okay? I said, yeah. I said, why are you calling me? I feel so embarrassed. I apologized profusely. She said, but I saw your face. I know how embarrassed you were. And we've had a good old laugh about it. And it's fine. It's really fine. And I wanted, her name's Sue. I wanted to say, hooray for Sue. Don't be one of those Christians who wanders around looking to be irritated. Because let me say this to you. If you're like that, there will always be fuel for your irritation. Elijah was challenged and insulted, but he did not come back with offense. Well, let me say the last thing. And that is that kindness remembers that others have a story. Did you notice this woman says to Elijah, verse 19, Did you come to remind me of my sin? Oh, stop right there. There's a story in her history. There's a reason why she's feeling so sensitive. Did you come to remind me of my sin? And then she says, kill my son. So now she's associated a potential episode in her past that has contributed to perhaps judgment in her present. She had a story. This room is full of lovely people. But every one of us has got a story. And I feel sometimes, brothers and sisters, if we could just hold to the truth of that, we'd we'd be a little easier on each other. Let me tell you one more thing and then we're going to pray. Oh, by the way, something else happened on that train. If I forget it, remind me before uh, before we wrap this up. My dad was a prisoner of war for four years. He was held in a prison camp nine miles from Auschwitz. And uh, he finally escaped and made his way back across Poland and Germany. And I'm here today because of a split-second decision that he made to escape. For the whole of my life... um, my dad would never eat jacket potatoes, potatoes with the skins on. And I always thought, what's that about? Is it being picky? After he died, I uh, found a document identifying the prison camp. And through Google, I was able to track down documents from that camp. And I found out about my dad's daily diet. I found out that it wasn't a concentration camp. Obviously, it was a POW camp. But the, the, the prisoners were treated horrendously. Some of them were shot on site just for not working hard enough. They kept them in chains, wrapped around their necks. It was a terrible thing. But uh, for breakfast in the camp, I discovered on Google, after he died, there was no breakfast. Uh, there was watery soup at lunchtime. And for dinner, rotten potatoes in their jackets with the skins on. And I realized that in that simple culinary decision, my dad had a story. And he was living out his story. That's why he never wanted to eat that. If we could recognize everyone has a story, kindness would flow more.
Well, I think our musicians are going to come back, and uh, I'd like to tell you before we pray, and just take a little time of reflection, um, I'd like to tell you that something else happened on that train. And you've had lunch, and this is the afternoon session, and it's a little warm, so are you all still there? Is everyone in there? Could we have a time of corporate nodding? Splendid. Well done. Um, the, uh, the ticket collector went on, <clears throat> and at the next station, I'm sitting here, they're sitting over here, and um, I noticed that their clothes are pretty threadbare. And uh, Kay and I, we, we, Kay's got a more exaggerated issue with this. We quite like to listen to other people's conversations when we're out. Does anybody else do this? And, and Kay's got an advanced gift in this. Uh, sometimes we'll go out for dinner and she'll go, shh, 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 shh. <laughs> shh. I mean, I'm going to buy surveillance equipment for Christmas. I mean, she... she uh, so we tune in to other people's conversations. And um, I, I'm listening to these folks chatting. And just play quietly whenever you, you'd like. That would be great. Um, and uh, I, I, I start listening to these folks. And they, they don't look like they have much. And they, they're speaking a language which I pre- presume was from somewhere in Eastern Europe. It sounded like that. And they had a little baby, and there's no carrier for the baby. Mum's just holding the baby. And I'm thinking about the advanced Christian, the ticket collector. When suddenly the lady started to sing a lullaby to her baby, and I recognized the tune, although I didn't recognize the words because it was in her language. It was at the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away it was there by faith I received my sight and now I am happy all the day I recognized that that was the hymn I thought these people are probably Christians so how do I how do I connect so I just turned and looked at her and she at me and I just went and she nodded back there was this moment of connection and recognition that we were both <coughs> followers of Jesus and as the train trundled into the through the smokestacks of south london i don't condemn the ticket collector who knows what story he has who knows who knows but i said lord In my fragility, in my frailty. Remember, I'm the guy that had the altercation with the car. Keep me near the cross. Because if I can stay close to a recognition of your work of the cross for me. When I'm under pressure, when I'm tempted to react. Kindness. With the help of the Holy Spirit. Will flow. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your loving kindness. 
How gracious you are. With our frailties and fragilities. Our sins. You have nursed us along. You have walked faithfully with us. We'd like to pass your loving kindness around. We pray now, Lord, for our relationships where perhaps kindness has become a casualty. We're aware, Lord, that in some of our lives, harsh words are regularly spoken. Perhaps, Lord, we've become those who are on the lookout for offense. And we've even tried to sanctify our offendedness by describing ourselves as straight shooters. We like to just say what we think. We almost celebrate our rudeness at times. So Holy Spirit, would you show us where repair needs to be made? A new trend needs to be set. A new culture created. So that, Lord, our friendships, our fellowship, our marriages will not be in peril. Lord, we carry a loaded weapon, which is the tongue. And we want to be those who bless and build and strengthen. In a few moments, um, we're going to worship. And there's a prayer that I want to pray. But before we do that, I'd like us just to have some quiet, just to sit and think. Just wait before the Lord. (coughs) Don't get into the temptation of thinking... I wish so-and-so had been here to hear this. They really need this. (laughs) I think they might have just spoken to one or two folks rather directly. Think about you. I'm thinking about me. The way I interact when under pressure. Let's take some moments. Holy Spirit, show us. Show us the way we are.
Sally and the team are going to lead us uh, gently in worship. But I invite us to I invite us to do whatever we need to do. So if you want to sing, sing. If you'd like to sit quietly and just reflect. Um, it might be that there's somebody you want to go and pray with. While we're in this reflected state, can I just ask one thing? If you decide to go and pray for somebody, please don't do what often happens in churches. Someone will go up and the music is being quietly played and a hand will be on your shoulder and someone will say, Jeff, I've just got to confess, I've been irritated with you for years. Just needed to get it off my chest, bless you. Don't do that. And I'm glad we laughed in a moment of response because it's all part of the same thing with God. Don't use a moment like this to potentially bruise but to bless. Might be that you want to get up and wander around and go to a friend here who means a lot to you. Just take a moment to celebrate your friendship with them and your appreciation for their kindness. In other words, everybody... I want us just to be able to do what we want to do. Some of us will be singing, some of us will be sitting quietly, some of us will be wandering around and praying. It's all good. It's all good. And then we'll wrap this session up uh, with a corporate prayer that I want to share. So let's worship, wander, sit, pray, whatever we want to do.